Good morning and welcome again to Words of Hope. I'm Mark Yoder and grateful again for this opportunity to spend a few minutes with you here, sharing again some of the things that have brought meaning and purpose and hope to my life. A bit more about me, sometimes I tell people my claim to fame is almost 39 years ago I married Polly Heatwall, a woman that's um, been the love of my life and we have six children, 18 grandchildren. We have been blessed beyond measure. I'm so grateful for the journey I've been on. I do tell people, like any family, we've had our heartaches, and maybe if these talks go on a while, we'll share some of those stories. But in truth, um, the real hope and the real meaning and purpose for my life is the message of Jesus. Last week, I tried really hard just to share with you that message in a way that could be understood. Uh, want to just remind us again today, the message of Scripture is not about what we do and don't do. It's a relationship with the person. The Bible says, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God commanded his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I, I grew up in kind of an unusual family. I heard almost every day from my dad words of approval and blessing. We lived on a dairy farm, milked cows many times in the morning. During milking time, dad would put his arm around me and say, I'm so glad you're my boy. Sometime, almost every day, I got words of affirmation. But even with that kind of a father figure I grew up, far less sure of my of the approval of my heavenly father. We sometimes say in our circle that the only people that have more guilt than the Mennonites are the Catholics. I'm not sure where that came from, but like anybody who set out to try to follow Jesus, I had my setbacks and reverses. But I want you to know again that in the end, if our lives are to be filled with hope and free from that, what I call an orphaned heart from God, we must discover and put faith in amazing grace and know that God is not hard to please, but has provided full acceptance. There's a song I often share, won't sing it, of course, but it goes like this. I sought the Lord, and afterward I knew he moved my soul to seek him seeking me. It was not I that found, O Savior, true, but thou, dear Lord, took hold of me. I find, I walk, I love, but, O, oh, the whole of love is but my answer, Lord, to thee, because you were long before, and with my soul always you were seeking me. And that's our message today, is many people are discouraged because they feel like they've reached and worked and tried to reach out to God. But I want you to know, every religion of the world, and I'm not putting down any religions, they're what man does to find approval to God. Um, if you're a Hindu, you make many sacrifices to many gods. I've been to India many times and have watched that process. If you're a Buddhist, there's uh, petitions, and you go in and burn incense. And if you're a Muslim, you pray five times a day, and you do different things. And I'm not critical of any of these people. Many are more sincere than some Christians I know. But the message of Christianity is what God has done for us. 
is what was done for us through Christ. One of the things I often do is share with people a simple question. I say, on what basis would you hope to make heaven? Rephrasing it a different way, if you were standing before the Lord tonight, and he'd say, why should I let you into heaven? What would you tell him? In a minute, I want to tell you a little story of, of a discussion of that and, and the interesting things that some people think about how they'll make heaven.
One day I had a call from a man who was living in Lewis, and he wanted to come and see the nursing home. He wasn't driving anymore. He asked if I'd pick him up. He wanted to see about the retirement community, so I went and picked him up. We were coming home from Lewis there on Route 1, and as we went by the Catholic church there on the right coming back from Lewis, he looked over there and he said, there's my church. And I acknowledged it and said, so tell me, how do you as a Catholic hope to get into heaven? And he came back very quickly with a bright answer. He said, I'm going straight through the front door. Well, we chuckled a bit because he was avoiding my question and he knew it. We were going a little further down the road and I don't remember anymore if my driving was bad or if somebody got a little too close, but bef but without thinking, he said, Jesus Christ, as a cuss word. And I looked at him, frowned a little bit, and I said, for a guy going through the front door, you just broke one of the Ten Commandments. And he laughed a little. He said, oh, I'm sorry. So we went a little further down the road, and I said to him, have you ever told a lie? And he grinned a little bit. He said, do you want me to tell you one now? And again, we kind of smiled together and went a little further down the road, and I bumped him, and I said, have you ever committed adultery? Boy, he said, you ask a lot of personal questions. And uh, he thought a little bit, and he said, I was in the military. Draw your own conclusions. And then I said, well, you know, you better start looking for the back door. And um, it gave us an opportunity to just to talk a bit about what people really believe and why um, there's something that troubles me a bit is, is how easy it is to be deceived. And I just want to tell you today that if you are deceived, you're fine and happy with it until you find out that you've been deceived. Many people who, whether it's in a love relationship, a marriage, or whether it's business, um, they're just fine in a situation until they discover that they have been deceived. If you came to work for me and you thought you were going to be paid, and even if I gave you a check that you thought was good, you'd be happy until you got to the place where you're going to cash it and found out there was no money. And at that point is when the bitterness and when the hurt and when the anger starts to come. And there are indeed many, many people who are going to discover that they have been putting faith in the wrong thing. Jesus said many will say to him in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not do this and do that? And he's going to say, depart from me because I never knew you. And I'm I'm really not here today to bring a lot of guilt and condemnation, but I want to remind people today that we don't come on our terms and we don't we don't set the standards, but God set those standards. Jesus was once asked the question, will many be saved? And his answer was a sobering question. He said, you'd be very careful how you enter. For straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leads to life, and few there be that find it, but wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. That is why I spent so much time last week and went into such detail explaining the message of the whole Bible. 
that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the fulfillment of all those Old Testament types. There's an interesting story. When the children of Israel came out of Egypt, there was a time when they were thirsty and complaining because they had no water. And the Moses cried out to the Lord, said, what shall we do? And the Lord said, strike the rock and you'll get water. And so Moses hit the rock and water gushed out and fed the people. The next time, again, came a time when they were complaining and saying, what shall we do for water? And this time the Lord said to Moses, speak to the rock, because the rock was a type of Jesus. The first time he came, he suffered and died. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes we are healed. But when he comes again, he comes as king of kings and lord of lords will never be hit again. And in this story, Moses, uh, when the Lord told Moses to speak to the rock, Moses in his anger and his frustration went over and struck that rock. And because of that, he could never enter promised land because he had broken the type of Jesus being the lamb of God who would only suffer one time. And I share with you today, if you miss this, You really miss everything. But if you find Jesus, you find everything. Sometimes I think it's important to go back and take a look at why we need a Savior. Many people will tell me, oh, I'm a pretty good person. I do things pretty well. I've never hurt anybody. And once in a while, I think it's good just to go back and take a look at what God says about our action and our behavior. One of the things I often say to people is ignorance of the law does not make you innocent of the penalty of the law. I think one of the best ways for us to hear the heart of God is to go look at his commandments from a deeper perspective. Many people don't even know the Ten Commandments today, so this could be a review for you as well. The first is, you shall have no other gods before me. That means that your number one goal in life must be to please him. Any of us who've had any time at all trying to live this Christian life know that that just doesn't come naturally for us. We need to go again and again to ask for help, to see things from his perspective. There's so many other things that come in. The second is you shall not make a God of your own liking. I'm and certainly not an idol, but also just one. Many people will say to me, my God wouldn't do this. He wouldn't send somebody to hell or he wouldn't allow this pain but the truth of the matter is we're to find out what God has said about himself and so the judgment that's there is something very clear in scripture and we can't create a God to fit our liking the third is you shall not take the name of the Lord in vain and this is so much more than just using profanity we were made in the image of God we were created for meaning and purpose and fulfillment and so when we avoid and neglect all of that, and especially if you call yourself a Christian and don't live the way a Christian should live. I believe this is a way of taking the Lord's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day, the Bible says, to keep it holy, setting aside a day to seek the Lord. But there's so much more in that command. It's it's interesting that it says six days you'll labor, and for many years I thought, boy, that means you got to work hard to get ahead. But I actually think it teaches the opposite reminds us that 
Success comes from God, not just from hard work. And it's a reminder that all of our days are his and we should live fully for him always. Honor your father and mother. It's a reminder that we're in authority structures that uh, many people would say to me, I, you don't know my parents. You don't know how unworthy they are of, of respect and honor. And I always tell people it's not just their personality, but it's the position. And as we re- realize that God leads and speaks through us, even through difficult parents, we come in under a blessing and a protection that comes from the Lord. Jesus took the command, thou shalt not kill, to such a deeper level said you must forgive if you do not forgive men their trespasses neither will your father in heaven forgive you he teaches us to love our enemies bless those that curse us do good to those that hate us and one of the things that i believe is contained in this commandment too is to know that our real enemy is never someone with a name and a social security number and a physical address and i guess these days a cell phone Our battle's not with flesh and blood, and so we must learn to love people and resist the enemy. And again, I'm not sharing these commands today just to beat on people, but a lot of people don't realize the ways in which they've grieved the heart of God. They think, I'm just fine. It's fine. And that's why they don't even realize and understand that they need a Savior. The next commandment is, thou shalt not commit adultery. And there's so many things that I could share here. People that are not aware of the great harm and damage that's done by sexual sin. Um, What's interesting, one of the reasons God hates adultery and hates sexual sin is because he loves a strong family. And when a man breaks faith with his wife, and even not just divorce, but just no longer loves and cares about intimacy, the children suffer. Not so long ago, my um, son and daughter-in-law were on a trip, and my grandson was staying with us. And you can imagine a grandpa. I love my grandchildren, love to know that they're secure, and and, uh, just am so grateful for the marriages of my children and their, their spouses. But this little guy was there with us about a week, and... After about a week, I noticed one evening he was really homesick. And I said to him, Max, you're kind of homesick. And he said, yeah, Grandpa, tomorrow night we're going to have some serious cuddle time when Mom and Dad get home. And I I said to him, you know, Max, you have some of the finest parents in America. No, Grandpa, he said, we have the best parents in the world. And when I thought about that, I thought, you know, that's not just about, that's that kind of security comes because people have chosen to love each other and be faithful <clears throat> in a marriage. And when there is a failure in that, children suffer. I in my, heard a story recently of a, of a four-year-old boy who's had not seen his father and his words were, when if I ever see my dad, I'll give him a hug. And when I think of that story, I'm reminded that a lot of people don't realize that things like pornography and, and, and unfaithfulness and fornication and adultery bring such heartache to families. <clears throat> Some of the people, excuse me, <clears throat> that say they've never done anything harm 
have just devastated the very psyche of their children and their marriage. The next commandment is, you shall not steal. And I tell people, stealing is not just armed robbery. It's taking what belongs to the Lord. Your life is the Lord's. You were created by him and for him. Um, but there are many other ways. Some people steal affection. Some people, um, one of the things that I often mention and is that we're not to steal our ties from the Lord. A lot of times when you talk to people about spiritual things, one of the first things they say is, oh, church just wants your money. Well, I assure you I don't want your money, but I do know that God cares about our finances. And one of the first things we need to do is give them, I always tell people tithing isn't giving, it's just not stealing what belongs to the Lord. And I could share much more about that. The next one is you shall not lie, you tell the truth, you shall not bear false witness. There are people today that um, truth is is not. I mean, let's put it this way: lies are their second nature. It's all, and the Bible says that the the native language of Satan is is lies and deceit. And some people are so much like that. Even when it doesn't do them value, they'll be telling a lie. And what I remind people is. God desires truth in the inward parts. He wants us to be willing not just to tell the truth, but to tell the truth in our heart, to to be honest about who we are, be honest about our faults and our mistakes. The next is you shall not covet. And that contains so many things, being discontent with who you are, how God made you. Um, Again... God doesn't make any junk. And I know so many people who have struggled all their life to, to believe that they are worthy and that they are of a value to God. And that command contains the fact that we have been made by a creator for a purpose. Now, I'm not going over these things today to bring you discouragement to say, look how bad you are, but to remind us that that is why we need a savior. A love that's never failing Let mercy fall on me Everyone needs forgiveness The kindness of a Savior The hope of
I can imagine that some of you are sitting there right now saying, well, Mark, those were not such great words of hope today. Uh, You might feel a little beat up, and I'll admit to you as well that talking here to a mic instead of a live audience, I feel like I've stumbled a bit um, trying to share the things that have been on my heart here. But I do want to remind you today that the good news of a Savior isn't good news if you don't know you need Him. And when I uh, share with people the story of Jesus and they say, well, I don't feel like I've done anything wrong. I don't feel like I need any help. In fact, just recently somebody said, you know, why would God forgive murder and rape and not forgive doubts and questions? And I tell people, when we truly repent and turn to the Lord, he forgives. But when we have a spirit of pride and a spirit of of questioning everything he does, then we're not even led into repentance. But the good news today is that it's not all about me getting everything right. There's a story that has come to mean a lot to me. Jesus had a crowd of people walking with him, and he turns to them, and he said, Unless you give up all that you have, unless you take up your cross hate father, mother, wife, children, and and uh, follow me. You cannot be my disciple. And then he uses uh, two illustrations. He said, nobody builds a house without first counting the cost. And then if he, so he can have enough so he can finish the house lest he be ashamed. And no king goes to war unless he can calculate whether he can win that war. It, If he can't, he'll make uh, terms of peace. In the same way, Jesus said, unless you give all that you have, you cannot be my disciple. And when I... For many years, I thought that was such a stiff requirement from the Lord to ask us to give up everything. But then recently I read the story of the Gibeonites. The Gibeonites were a tribe in Cana where Joshua was coming in to destroy everyone there. And they came, they, they were afraid of being destroyed. They came to Joshua. They got gathered some old animals and bread and made it look like they came from a long trip, came into Joshua and said, we've come from far, we want to make peace. And the Bible says they didn't pray about it. They just accepted terms of peace with these Gibeonites. And then right after, they found out that they indeed were there right in close neighbors. And they were upset. They brought them in. They said, we're going to now make you servants. We're going to honor our agreement not to kill you, but you'll be our servants, our slaves. Right after that, some other nations were upset with the Gibeonites for making this treaty, and they were coming in to destroy them. And the Gibeonites just sent word to Joshua, said, come and rescue your slaves, because as slaves, they were entitled to protection. And one of the neatest things anybody will ever learn is to to know that everything I have belongs to the Lord, that he's my protector. And come to the place in your life where you no longer own anything, not your health, not your finances, not your marriage, not your children, not your ministry, not your reputation, but it all belongs to him. And then when the enemy comes to threaten you with it, 
taking it away, you can just say, take it up with the real owner and he'll take good care of his, of what is his. And so in a way, it's the liberty of the Christian life to own nothing. Join me again next week for another edition of Words of Hope.